YouTube, Rod Z here, and it's time for our third edition of the Z Files. Today, we have walking, talking, black history, y'all. He's been the chief of police, he's been the sheriff of Orange County, and he's currently serving as the mayor of Orange County. I'm speaking of none other than the Honorable Mayor Jerry L. Demings, someone that I've always looked up to, admired, and appreciated for what he does for the community and as a black man. And he's also my frat brother. So welcome to the Z Files. Make sure if you haven't already that you like, share, and subscribe. Go ahead and hit that like button now. Hit that bell. Make sure you tell everyone. And when you're watching the episode, please, we ask that you watch all of it or as much as possible. Don't just turn it on. But we don't think you'll be turning away on our show because we have a lot of interesting topics and a lot of interesting people. And Jerry L. Demings is definitely one of them. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Z Files. We'll be right back in a minute with the Honorable Mayor Jerry L. Demings. Here's a quick look at some of my up and coming shows and special events. This episode of the Z Files is brought to you by The Boss Move, your content concierge. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. If you wear that black and gold, I need you to stand up. I'm talking about the black and gold of the HBCU spotlight of the day. Alabama State University Hornets, it's your time. Let's get it. AS, AS, AS. ASU, Alabama State. You the HBCU Spotlight of the Day. Let's get it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm super excited. This is a big moment for me, the Z Files, and everybody at the Boss Move Studios because we we got a special person in the building. He's from Orlando, Florida. He went to my alma mater, the legendary Jones High School. That's right, Tiger, stand up. He also went on to um, further his education at Florida State University, Everest College. He went to um, Harvard University at the Kennedy School and went for a little while to the FBI Academy. Now, this man is walking, talking black history. He's the first black chief of police in Orlando. He's also the first black director of public safety, the first black sheriff to be elected as a Democrat, and he's currently the mayor, which makes him the first black mayor of Orange County. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm speaking of none other than the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. the Honorable Mr. Jerry L. Demings, our mayor of Orange County. Welcome, Jerry. Y'all, I, I think the people in the studio need to clap their hands for that. Y'all make some noise. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Mayor, for coming. My brother, my friend. Thank you so much for, for, for being here with us and taking some time out of your busy schedule. Well, first, Rod, I'm, I'm proud of you because <laughs> uh, you. I am a native Orlando, and, and I've seen uh, your 
progression as well as you now known all over the world. Uh, and, and I can say, I know you, you know, oh, uh, come on. from when you were a, a, a young boy here within the area. And so I'm honored to be on your show. I'm honored to be serving now as the fifth elected mayor in Orange County. And I'm in my fifth year, um, about to start year number six uh, as the Orange County mayor. And because of term limits, I know that uh, my time will be up in 2026. Right. Uh, and I will, will move on to other things at that point. Uh, but we have a lot of work to get done. Uh, this is my 43rd year of public service that I have entered at this point. And during that time, a lot has happened over the years. Well, thank you for your service, man. 43 years. That's a lot. That, that's outstanding. And um, I want to I want to take you back, though. Let's go back to a neighborhood um, we affectionately call Orlando the meet or Dimitri Holmes. Uh, Dimitri Holmes, Washington Shores area. Uh -huh. OK, from my understanding, uh, your father was a cab driver. Mom was a, a homemaker. And uh, you have four other siblings, correct? I do. Okay. And um, you you grew up in a neighborhood that had names like Brooks, Nye Black. Um, you 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 had Father Pender around. You you had some some great community leaders. How much of an impact did they have and influence did they have on you? They had a tremendous influence on me. Uh, of course, uh, my mother and father were Blue collar workers. Uh, my dad drove a taxi cab for mm -hmm. a living. Uh, lived to be a hundred plus years old. He passed wow. earlier this year. Uh, my mother lived to be uh, nearly ninety six. She cleaned houses for a living. She did what was called days work, right. uh, which means that she went to a different person's home. They were all white people. Uh, five days out of the week, and uh, she uh, worked. Uh, she caught the city bus until. She, we could save up enough money to buy an automobile. And so those are the humble beginnings that I come from. I grew up in Washington Shores. Um, my mother and father, when they got married in 1944, they ended up here in Orlando and started a family. And they lived in a one-bedroom house in Paramore. And in 1957, my family moved out of Paramore and moved to the Washington Shores area. And Johnson Village is the specific area that okay. I grew up in near where um, Mabel Butler Boulevard, where uh, we have uh, the El Claudia Allen Center. Right. That neighborhood I grew up in where the Smith okay. Center is today. So I had a lot of great role models. There were African-American professionals. Uh, school teachers, uh, police officers, you know, the Belvin Perry Sr. and right. others who were the first black police officers. They lived in my neighborhood. Uh, Crooms. Uh, Mr. Uh, Kelly. Uh, Kelly. They, they all lived uh, nearby. So I had role models that I could see. We had uh, uh, women uh, like Thelma Dudley and some others who were just iconic figures within our community. Uh, Miss Hagrid, and you know, right. the music teacher and, and what have you, the choral director for Jones High School, uh, the coaches, you know, so uh, it Chief, was- uh, Chief, Wilson. Chief Wilson. Right. And, and you know, there were, there were some comedians uh, right. amongst the group. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so you, you grew up during the civil rights movement, um, which some people would still call turbulent times. It was the time of, um, 
forward movement and politics. But when did you decide you would get involved in serving the community and public service with law enforcement? Well, that was an evolution. I had the opportunity uh, to watch uh, some of uh, those iconic figures in the civil rights movement like uh, Dr. King. Uh, I listened carefully to his oration and the various speeches that he gave. Uh, I was sitting in the classroom of uh, Mrs. McLeese, Elsie McLeese, mm-hmm. when uh, Dr. King's, uh, uh, the announcement was made that he was assassinated. Uh, wow. And so as a child, about nine years old, when, when that happened, um, it uh, was a significant occurrence all across the world, certainly in America and within our community. Uh, principles like uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson, uh, Benjamin Hooks, uh, Stokely Carmichael at that time, and Angela Davis. Uh, I bring up these names because with the exception of Dr. King, every one of them I had the opportunity to meet. I had the wow. opportunity to meet Rosa Parks. So growing up, these people were larger than life for me. And I always knew that I wanted to be of service to others but I also uh, wanted to make money. I wanted to make a lot of money. And so when I went to college, uh, doctor, I'm, I'm keeping it real. Dr. Smith, Dr. James R. Smith okay. was one of my mentors. Uh, he helped to tutor us. Uh, he and his daughter Jinx uh, would tutor us. And uh, Ernest Page Sr., mm-hmm. uh, former city commissioner, uh, Orlando mayor for an interim period of time, businessman. He was one of my mentors. And mentor uh, to have. Uh, they would work with us uh, to tutor us in math and appliance sciences to make certain that we could do well on those entrance exams to get into college. I did well. I uh, had the opportunity to, to choose what colleges that uh, or universities I, I would attend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Dr. Smith was um, there for us. You know, he uh, did our physicals for our uh, various athletic endeavors. Uh, And so these people were real to me. But I chose to go to Florida State University. And uh, when I first went to Florida State University, I was a pre-med major. Mm. I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, (laughs) And uh, then I found out that it was going to take so long. And and as a poor kid, (laughs) I had to make an adjustment. I was tired of being broke. So I changed my major to finance and accounting at Florida State University, and I was able to complete college in three years. Um, I moved back to Orlando, and I became an accountant. That was the first job I did out of college, and I had a pretty good job. So you weren't thinking about law enforcement at all? No. At at that point? Although I will tell you, while at Florida State, uh, numerous uh, law enforcement, federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies tried to recruit us. They wanted people to do white-collar type of investigations, and so it piqued my interest. I did talk while at Florida State University. A recruiter uh, came there hiring for the Orlando Police Department. I did talk with them, mm-hmm. but I chose to not do that initially. I went into this accounting role, and I thought that I would become a federal agent. Uh, While applying for the FBI, uh, when I had my accounting job, 
the FBI recruiter shared with me, he said, uh, you know, the federal government is in a hiring freeze. This is 1980. I uh, said that uh, it'd be great if you would get some local law enforcement experience. And when we come off the hiring freeze, you should be a shoe in to get hired. Mm-hmm. What I did, I applied to the Orlando <laughs> Police Department. Obviously, I got hired. Right. I didn't know that I really wanted a job, but because uh, it was going to require me to take a huge pay decrease. You were still about that money. I was still, I, listen, I needed to take He's care like, of my I don't want to do this. But, you know, God sometimes uh, orders your steps. And Amen. and so I was predestined to do the things that I, I guess ultimately I did. And I um, left the accounting world, accepted a job at the Orlando Police Department. Uh, and little did I know uh, that I would stay all the years that I did. I thought that it was going to be for one year, and mm. then I will move on to the feds. Uh, one year later, the feds called me. They offered me the job, and I made a determination that I would stay, that I would stay in my own local community and continue to serve. And I spent 21 years with the Orlando Police Department. I uh, started out as a street cop and uh, concluded my tenure. I retired September the 30th of 2002, as chief of police. So I, I little did I know I would go and rise, rise to all to the of the ranks, ranks and uh, hold every position in the agency. And uh, then little did I know that uh, I would be given the opportunity. The county mayor came to me and offered me the opportunity to become deputy county administrator and director of public safety. And I was chief of police. I was eligible to retire. Uh, I could draw my pension immediately. And I thought this could be a better way of life for my family. I could double my income. My wife was working inside the Orlando Police Department. Uh, I was her boss. But as long as I stayed there. At, 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 the, at the building, you was the boss. Yeah, I understand. But when you got home, <laughs> my, we, we already know the story. My house just like everybody else's house, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> but, you know, she she would not have been able to move up had I stayed because uh, wow. of Florida's anti-nepotism laws. Right. I could not hire family or promote family. Right. Now, uh, if she had not been there be- when I became police chief, she couldn't have gotten hired. But while I was chief of police, she couldn't get promoted either. Wow. And so I had an opportunity. I say God promoted me and I went to Orange County government and uh, the rest is history. My wife ultimately became the Orlando chief of police. If I had continued to stay around there, I don't know what would have happened. I don't know if that opportunity would have knocked for her. Uh, but uh, I felt that God opened this door for me and I went through it. And uh, perhaps I never would have been the Orange County sheriff if I hadn't went to the Orange County government. Right. And perhaps I wouldn't be uh, the Orange County mayor. Uh, so I think things kind of fell in place for me, and it has just been a phenomenal ride that I've been on. It it has. Um, I want to take you back to a day. I'm sure you remember it, um, but you probably haven't thought about it in a long time, but it made an impression upon me. And the reason I'm asking you this question because I want to know if serving in that capacity as a member of the police department helped you with your confidence. And that position was at one point, you were a hostage negotiator. Yes. Or you were at least the lead negotiator that day. Um, You don't know that I was there. 
but I was in the van uh, working as an intern at Channel 9. Uh-huh. Vanessa Eccles was on the scene. Um, all I remember is at a certain point, I was ready to go home. I was interned and I was working the camera in the truck because they say, we want you to stay inside the truck in case something happens. You can be safe. At least we can keep you somewhat protected. But you stepped out and started negotiating. And I was like, that's Jerry Demons. I know him. What are he doing? Wow. I was blown away. Yeah. Did you serve me in that capacity? Give you confidence to say, if I could do this, because that was, that was a tense, it, it was a tense situation. If you, did you say, if I could do this, I could do pretty much anything? That was part of my evolution in building um, self-confidence. Mm-hmm. To, that was something, a work in progress, going back to a child and uh, being given the opportunity. Uh, I think my first little foray into having any kind of leadership was well, I was I was a school safety patrol at uh, <laughs> Richmond Heights Elementary okay. School. So that was my first little. Go back you know, and walk. Yeah, yeah okay. But, <laughs> but yes, during my career, I was the commander of the hostage negotiations team. I was a, a, a hostage negotiator, crisis negotiator. At some point, I also became the special teams commander. So wow. not only did I have oversight for the hostage negotiation team, but the SWAT team and all special teams within the Orlando Police Department. So every major critical incident, there were shooting incidents that I had the opportunity to have a leadership role. And perhaps the incident that you uh, are describing here, there were many, by the way, uh, of of those incidents, but one got international attention in which um, an individual um, and uh, going back to 1997, held uh, two children, a two-year-old and a four-year-old hostage here. Uh, he was a murder suspect, uh, wanted on some uh, violent crime charges, who had fled from the police uh, through a chase, and, uh, entered a home in the 18th Street area, uh, of in the Holden Heights area of uh, Orlando, and... Uh, he took two children hostage and ran their young mothers outside the house. I think I remember that. And we successfully negotiated um, uh, that situation. We ultimately we rescued the two children and went on for three days, uh, six to eight hours to be exact. Uh, the children came out um, successfully. The bad guy did not um, in that situation, and that got international attention. And then there have been multiple other situations where uh, we had um, high-risk situations that we were involved in over time. And uh, part of my uh, ascending to be chief of police was predicated upon uh, managing those high-risk situations and doing high-profile jobs within the police department. And the first and only woman to have served as uh, Mayor of Orlando, Glenda E. Hood, appointed her. me as the first African-American, a black chief of police in Orlando. And at the time uh, when the announcement was made, uh, I was 39 years old. <laughs> wow. And people thought, man, he's very young to have such a job. There must, there must have been 
some some what we call today some hate some haters in the building. You being thirty nine years old, there must have been somebody older saying, "I've been here all this time. How is he becoming chief?" Yeah, <laughs> there was some haters And then you there. being black, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there must have been somebody. You know how 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 difficult was that for you, or did you take that in stride and say, um, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity and, and, and run with it. I have been prepared. I told my mother, uh, my mother, when I uh, told her that I was going to interview for the job, she said, okay. Um, at the request of Linda Hood, she interviewed the uh, four deputy chiefs of police. Okay. And I happened to be one of the deputy chiefs of police at the time, so I was sitting in a number two role. And uh, she made a decision that morning that she would appoint me and make the announcement uh, at one o'clock that afternoon. That's how quickly. What were it you went. doing? Like, what were you doing that day? Were you just about your business? When did when you found out? Did it kind of knock you back a little bit off your feet? She uh, started the interviews before the sun came up. Okay. She interviewed all four of us. Uh, I was one of the four. She made the decision somewhere around midday that. Uh, it was me. It was going to be oh, me. Wow. And she said, I'm going to do an announcement, a press conference announcing the next chief of police uh, at one o'clock. I called my mother uh, on the phone, uh, called my wife. Uh, I told my mother, I said, well, mother, I don't have time to call the rest of the family, but there's going to be breaking news. Right. I'm, they're going to announce, the mayor's going to announce, I'm going to be the next chief of police in Orlando. I need you to call a family because I don't want them to be the last ones to hear about it. I called my minister. I said, listen, um, Pastor, I want you to know that here's what's getting ready to go down. The pastor Start the time praying. Was, was, was Bishop <laughs> Sam Green. I called him and said, listen, I just want to let you know that there's an announcement coming. And, uh, and, and from there, uh, we went and an announcement was made at Orlando Police Headquarters uh, and it was extraordinary. From that moment, uh, I knew that there would be uh, some stressors, stressors and right. pressures, um, but I also knew that, for me, failure was not an option. Uh, I felt that I was well-prepared. I, I was well-trained. I was well-educated. At that point, as you indicated, I had gone through the FBI National Academy, done all the things that I needed to do uh, to prepare myself. I had a lot of experience uh, that I had gained in a relatively short period of time of uh, being on the agency. Um, and so I was prepared. I had prayed about it. Uh, so I was confident. I had no doubt that I could, could not do the job. And so uh, as I... Moved into the role, uh, you know, I was chief of police for four years. 9-11 um, happened during that period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, Y2K, you remember all the noise centered around that. We had major hurricanes. Uh, we had um, barricaded gunman situation. We had a situation in which one of my snipers, uh, um, another murder suspect, had taken hostage a family uh, of individuals and... Um, we did a joint operation with the Orange County Sheriff's Office, and it resulted in one of the women uh, who was held hostage um, by this uh, murder suspect. Um, uh, unfortunately, she was 
accidentally shot and killed by one of my snipers. Uh, you know, it made Jet Magazine, it made all the black news, but it made international news as well. Uh, but so we, we were tried and true uh, during that period of time. We decentralized the Orlando Police Department. At that point, when I went in as chief of police, the Orlando Police Department worked out of one building. Uh, during my tenure, we decentralized, and we that was the first time we had substations yeah, throughout the I remember city. That too. It's the first time that our officers were allowed to take home their vehicles. Uh, so we put computers in cars. Uh, we totally changed how the Orlando Police Department dispatches. And to this day, uh, some 25 years later, uh, the framework that we put in place, how the Orlando Police Department is organized today, uh, happened during my tenure right. uh, as the Orlando Police Chief. So I'm proud of that fact. Um, some of that uh, helped me uh, get to where I am today. So we had our ups and our downs. We had good times. We had bad times. Uh, more good times than um, bad times. Well, well, and well, let's jump ahead now. You're the current um mayor of Orange County you've got about what maybe 8000 people working yes. for you you got a, a multi billion dollar operation that you oversee um you've dealt like you said with hurricanes we just came out of the pandemic um what's it been like being a mayor of Orange County during such Topsy-turvy times, I would say. Stuff that you have no control over. Um, what's, yeah. it, what's it been like? My career, I've had the kitchen sink and everything else thrown at me. Yes, you have. And uh, from a leadership perspective, um, it, there's no substitute for training or experience. Right. I'm well-trained, but well-experienced. Who would have thought that as mayor of Orange County, a mayor would ever have to deal with um, major hurricanes, deal with a hundred-year phenomena, uh, a pandemic, a global pandemic, global pandemic that impacted our entire community. But because of the training that I have received, um, I'm an expert in crisis management. And you, and you, I love hearing you say that. You knew you were ready. I was ready. You, you like I, 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 can, I got it. this. I've taught it all over the world. Wow. I've taught it all over the country, uh, crisis management. Uh, so for me, when bad things happen, it's showtime. Uh, wow. I look at it that way. Right. Um, the training is a dress rehearsal. Right. But when you have to execute the training, it's showtime. So when the curtain goes up, um, like a, a thespian, uh, you know, like time, a, it's time to perform like a comedian. <laughs> it's a, time a professional comedian. It's time to perform. It's time to perform. So when bad things happen, I'm going to rise to the occasion. Uh, and I, with a talented team of people, I have had the opportunity now to help to train others, select others mm -hmm. and assemble a team. It's like, um, if I were the owner or the general manager of a professional uh, sports team, right? I want the best. I look for the best. I can think of a few teams that you might need to go on over there and work for <laughs> right now. I ain't gonna say. I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna mention no names. But 
it, so it's, it's a impre- team. What I'm saying here, it's a team <laughs> it's sport. A team, it's a team. I effort. got a team that is out of this world. Right. You know, I've had the opportunity to, to appoint uh, the first black county administrator, Byron Brooks. Yes. I had the opportunity to appoint the first Hispanic corrections chief, the first Hispanic health services director, uh, first black female uh, deputy county administrator. Uh, these are opportunities that I've I've been given. I'm I'm just the conduit, right? Uh, you know, f- for the times such as these, and so I just relish in having this opportunity to serve others and to uh, to touch lives in different ways. Uh, I pray that there will be people who will benefit uh, from the wisdom, the things that we have done, uh, who are not yet born who will never know me specifically, uh, but that's the legacy that we're trying to put in place. What do you consider to be your most, when you look at yourself, what do you consider to be your most valuable virtue? Because I know me, um, my struggle with leadership would be when I'm trying to get something done and accomplished, but I have to go through others as like a committee or uh, people working with you to get the job done. And sometimes you're the only one who can see the vision or feel like this is what's best for Orange County. Have you ever encountered that? And if so, how difficult is that in working around that? It can be frustrating. (laughs) Yes. Because a visionary uh, leader is someone who um, visualizes and sees the need for something before it's needed. Right. And they take action in a timely manner. Right. So I'm a visionary leader, you know, uh, not a dreamer to me, a dreamer is somebody who dreams and uh, they never execute. And it's just a dream. Uh, for me as a visionary leader, we execute. Okay. I can, I can dream big, but I have to have a vision and I have to be able to articulate that vision to others and get them to see, in the uh, buy-in. We're, where we're headed. Right. And if I can paint the story, the narrative of where we're headed to get the buy-in and we can all move together, hopefully in one uh, seamless motion, uh, and then we execute that broad plan. Uh, so uh, former Rear Admiral, uh, Vice Admiral David Brewer, a retired uh, Naval Admiral, yes. Admiral, Jones High School graduate, uh, he said something to me once. He said that during at one point during his career, he was climbing the ladder. But at one point in his, his career, he became a ladder builder. Oh, wow. Okay. So for me, I'm not trying to climb the ladder. I've had wonderful successes. I'm a ladder builder. Creating these opportunities for others to climb the ladders in their respective rights, no matter what it is, uh, to try to take a little bit of that which others have poured into me. Some of these iconic figures, civil rights leaders uh, that I've had the opportunity to sit down and have conversations with, the Benjamin Hooks, the Jesse Jacksons, uh, the Rosa Parks. uh, These are people I've had intimate conversations with Andy Young, of presidents of the United States, vice presidents of the United States, where I've had opportunity to pick their brains. So what I'm saying is 
you learn something along the way from right. from others. Um, you, you got something. <laughs> I got something. You know, some people, you know, I learn from others' failures. Uh, I've had some failures. Uh, I, you wouldn't know how to succeed sometimes if you don't know how, if you didn't have a failure, right, right. a failure. So uh, that is kind of the where I am in life. Um, many more successes than failures. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> That's right. Thank God. Well, Mr. Mayor, you talked about being a visionary. Give us um, one of the things that you've been able to accomplish as mayor that you're very proud of. Uh, one of the things is we created Orange County's very first housing trust fund. We have an affordability, a housing affordability crisis uh, underway here. Yes, we do. Uh, I have been able to create, by working with others, Orange County's first locally controlled housing trust fund in which we have put $160 million or will put $160 million over time, over a 10-year period into this fund to build affordable, attainable workforce housing within our community. Uh, we are leveraging those dollars against private sector dollars and other public sector dollars to build housing all over Orange County. It's happening right now as we deal with homelessness and those types of things. Another thing that we have done, we created uh, Orange County's uh, sustainability plan, a mm -hmm. $100 million plan to uh, buy uh, preservation lands to save and protect God's green earth. Uh, the benefit of those uh, acquisitions will outlive me uh, as well. <clears throat> and uh, we have uh, been able to uh, also uh, create uh, Orange County's Vision 2050 plan, a plan of how we will grow and manage to grow, um, build uh, commercial and residential properties throughout the county, how we will manage the land, how we will take care of uh, the waterways, uh, the air quality, and everything else. Uh, we have submitted it to the state. Uh, we will have the final approval from the state soon. Uh, so that 30-year uh, period of time will outlive me, uh, but will benefit um, countless families and others in this community. Well, let's talk about um, your future aspirations. I know you said your tenure as mayor will be up uh, in a little bit. Do you have any, do you want to just ride off into the sunset and enjoy retirement? Or do you have any future aspirations uh, to be in politics or government? Uh, I'm in prayer over that. Okay. You know, uh, I have been, every one of these positions that I've held, I was prayerful about it. God uh, answered my prayer. I asked God very specific, for a very specific direction. I ask for very specific answers. And that's something between me and God. Right. So I'm prayerful about what the next phase of life for me can be. I can draw Social Security right now. I've had uh, saved my money. I don't need a job. Been a good steward. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, so Your wife has done pretty good, too. She's done excellent. <laughs> uh, we're a team. And and so for us, we're prayerful about what the next phase of life will bring. Uh, and I have about three years left as mayor. And 
I'll make a decision probably a year, year and a half, year and a half out. If I want to seek some other political office, if I want to do something entrepreneurial uh, where I start a new business or what have you, or if I want to just take it to the house, I just want to retire Right, I can ride my motorcycle. I was going to ask travel. you, you, you and you and uh, Bear, I get to get out on those Harleys, man. Yeah, yes, sir. Okay, okay. I probably ride my Harley Davidson more than she rides hers. Right, but, but uh, we have a couple of Harley Davidson motorcycles. We do ride. Um, we have been public servants for a long time. Yes, and um, it's a it's a brutal sport right now. Politics is a brutal sport. Yes, uh, the whole world is brutal but right can now. Can you make a difference? Uh, Getting to this pinnacle where we have gotten to at this point, uh, it's a miracle. Uh, it has required a lot of patience, a lot of hard work. Um, you get beat up along the way. Mm -hmm. But you should never lose focus of why you're doing it. You're not doing it uh, for self-promotion you're doing it to make a difference in people's lives if we believe that god still has something for us to do in a meaningful way to help someone else then we'll do it we say call on us our arms are not long enough to box with god mm -hmm. you know and that's why you have to be prayerful if god's in the middle of it Nobody can stop you. Amen. Uh, it is um, it is your season. No one can stop you. No one. They may think they can. You better preach, Mr. Uh, Mayor. Uh, <laughs> but they can't stop you. Amen. So uh, I'm, I'm full of confidence, uh, not arrogance. Uh, I, I'm full of belief because I've seen uh, what, what God can do. Yeah. <laughs> In humility, I'm saying this to you and to others in humility, that it's not about me. We are just mere servants. We are instruments that uh, if you believe in God, as we do, he utilizes your service for his greater good, for his kingdom. And if you think it's all about you, it's not at all. You're going to find out eventually. Real quick. You're here for a reason. You. So that's why I say, I don't know yet. I don't know what Val will do. Val is having a global impact. Yes, okay? she is. She saw herself uh, doing something bigger than even being in the United States Congress. She didn't have term limits. She was vetted for vice president of the United States. Not many people can say that. But she made a decision that when she ran for the United States Senate, that if she did not win, it would just mean that God has something else for her to do. So she's on the speaking circuit. She's talking, speaking, having influence all over, all the, world. over the world. Wow. Uh, she'll be headed to Germany tomorrow. Uh, and... Uh, it's just phenomenal the, the, how she is being used to, to change lives across the world. If you ever have that opportunity, would you not take it? 
you know, uh, and so we're that, that couple. We support one another. Uh, we know that our lives are not our lives. Uh, our lives are meant to be of service to others. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. Mayor, words cannot express how thankful I am to know you, how appreciative I am, as well as Boss Move Studios. Uh, we're grateful to have you as as one of our first guests. You are our third episode in history. We plan on going to do bigger and better things and greater things. Uh, and, and we're putting God first, too. And we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and spending time with us to be a guest on the Z Files. We wish you, your wife and your entire family, nothing but the ble- the best and all of God's blessings. And thank you for your service and everything that you do for the people of Orange County and the city of Orlando. God bless you, sir. He is. And may he bless you, too. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, The Honorable Mayor Jerry L. Demings, Orange County Mayor, Sheriff, Chief. I don't know what to call him. All I know is I'm glad to call him my friend. (laughs) We'll be right back on the Z Files. ladies and gentlemen so we want to thank the honorable mayor jerry l Demings once again mayor of orange county for taking time out of his busy schedule to be with us today um i'm sure we're going to try to get him back because he has a wealth of knowledge and information to share and i hope you got something out of it i know i was inspired today as well as everybody in the boston move studios so we want to thank the mayor make sure again that you hit that like share and subscribe button make sure you tell people about us and join us for our next episode where we'll be going to beautiful Lake Eola in downtown Orlando for a gospel festival. So on behalf of Boss Move Studios, Lighthouse Media and Entertainment, I'm Rod Z and this is the Z Files. See you next time.